Hello, hello, leading woman in tech. Welcome back to your favorite career leadership podcast, right? How are you doing? How is your holiday week? Because we are fast approaching Thanksgiving for those of you in the US. And, you know, the rest of the world these days does tend to recognize that it's moving into the holiday season. Um, it seems to be the, the startup of the ease down for the rest of the year, right? And actually, on that note, if you aren't already on my email list, go get yourself on my email list because for the first time ever, TonyCollis.com is doing a Black Friday sale. Yes, on Friday this week, I am going to be giving you a whopping 50% off everything in my career shop. That's TonyCollis.com forward slash shop. Uh, this is like, I've never done anything like this before, but I was just like, well, you know, it's about time. You will need some help digging into your resumes, digging into how to do great leadership interviews, executive presence, all that stuff. What should I be doing as we run up to the holidays? And this just felt like a great thing to do. But to be the first person to find out when that's live and how to get that, you need to be on my mailing list. So head to tonycollis.com forward slash resources, sign up for one of my free freebies, and you will immediately get on my mailing list and be one of the first people to find out when that Black Friday discount is live. How cool is that? But without further ado, I want to dig into today's episode because we are talking again about how we can make the most of this period of time where actually the tech industry has a real dearth of talent. Many people are moving jobs, many people are leveraging that to get promotions, to get pay packet increases. Um, and actually, I've got a number of clients who are hiring managers who, where we're actually having to change the way we operate as hiring managers. And rather than saying, I really need some of the experience in this role, the experience people are going for the next role up and we're having to change the way we hire to reflect that. And instead, be more conscious of training in the job, even though as a hiring manager, you very rarely feel like you have time to do that. So I want to talk a little bit more about that today. And I have invited the fabulous Sue Gygax on to the show to discuss this. Sue is the founder of Spectacle Talent Partners. But prior to that, she has had 20 years working in recruitment. So this lady knows her stuff around the recruitment process. And that's why I really wanted to get her into the show. And we're going to be talking about how to make the next career move easier for you and how to leverage this great resignation to achieve more. Because believe me, if you're not doing it, everybody else is. It's one of these times where it is time to own your value. That doesn't mean you have to leave, but it is time to stand up for how valuable you are. And that's why I really want to get Sue onto the show today. What does Sue do today? Well, as owner and founder of Spectacle Talent Partners, she specializes as a recruiter, providing tailored full-service recruiting to business owners. She works one-on-one with CEOs and connects their mission to what people really want in their job, which means that she manages to hire people who are super passionate about the companies that the CEO is hiring into. So obviously, some of the people that she works with are founders, co-founders, CEOs, even actually C-suite executives at small startups. So that sounds like you and you're having problems hiring, then listen to Sue's words of wisdom today and maybe approach her if you're interested in working with her. But more than that, today we're digging into what people need to be doing to align their careers with what matters to them, level salaries, all that sort of stuff. Sue has a bachelor's degree and has maintained her professional human resources certification for over 15 years. And she also has a certification in 360 degree coaching and transformation. 
So without further ado, let's get Sue onto the show. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Welcome to the show, Sue. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much, Tony. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to dig into this and for you to share your insights today with the audience. But let's dig into you and your career first and tell us how you came to be the founder of Spectacle Talent Partners. Yes. Well, um, it's a long story, but I'm going to give it to you guys in a bit of a nutshell. Hopefully hit some of the really um, what I think are interesting milestones. So I started, you know, I'm one of five children. I was one of the first in my family to go to college. And my family owned a business. We owned a restaurant growing up. All five of us children worked there. Um, so when I went to school, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And then I attempted at a bank in Hartford, Connecticut. I grew up in Connecticut and in their human resources department. And I thought, oh, this is it. This is what I want to do. And so I was a generalist at a small manufacturing company and ended up moving into talent acquisition, which is the opposite of what most people do. Most people start in talent acquisition and then become in learning and development or generalist work or benefits or something like that. I was, I was a little bit of an odd bird in that way. But my generalist work was really gave me the guidance to to be able to understand what I really wanted and what I really loved. I loved the recruiting aspect. And as a young, fresh out of college, I was a sole practitioner. So I was giving guidance to people twice my age about human resources and actions to take, all of those things. But my foray into talent acquisition is where I fell in love. And I found myself that I progressed in my career, even as an individual contributor, very quickly I was getting the jobs nobody else wanted. I was getting the hard to fill positions. I was getting the brand new roles or the brand new projects or their special projects. And in my career, I've worked across healthcare, manufacturing, faith-based um, organizations, informatics, technology. Uh, so I've got a broad background in recruiting. And what really has happened was in the last 10 years or so, I found myself in these very high growth entrepreneurial companies where their growth had outpaced their talent acquisition function. So I was in a position where I was helping them mature that talent acquisition function from its current state, which I affectionately call that mom and pop function, <laughs> into something that was a mature, best in class, talent attraction, talent recruiting, all of those things. So this meant team, this meant culture, this meant processes, this meant technology, this meant policy creation, this meant technology implementation, all of those things. And I loved it. And then my husband, it was about the end of 2019, big changes happening at the company I was at. 
And my husband said, and I started looking at all these jobs and I said, babe, I just, I don't want to do it again. Like I've done this. Every job I'm looking at is all the stuff I've already done. And I don't know if I want to do it again. And he said, well, you should consult. I said, why would I want to do that? That wasn't the picture of success that I had in my head for myself. I was very much, I was multinational recruiting responsibilities. I was leading large teams. We were hiring literally thousands of people a year. And I had a very specific picture of what success looked like in my career. And being an entrepreneur or consultant um, wasn't one of them. <laughs> so when my husband said that, I was like, you're an idiot. But as it turned out, when I stopped and I, because I had enough sense to listen to that thing that was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this again. And and as I started to reflect, what I realized was the love that I have for small businesses, which was very much nurtured growing up, watching my parents develop a business that, that they loved. They were they had integrity. They didn't worry so much about the next guy. The restaurant business is a tough business. And so <laughs> they always nurtured the community that they have and, and had high quality and all of those things. And I coupled that with everything that I know about recruiting and talent acquisition. And what I realized was if I could give my parents what I know now about recruiting, I would have changed their life. Mm-hmm. I would have unchained them from the world that they knew. I would have removed so many of the hardships if I could have helped them understand how to do this. And so that's what I love doing today is helping those small businesses use those principles and practices that I learned and earned in those big multinational, big multi-million dollar companies, which I love doing, but helping them figure out how do they attract top performers If they're a hiring manager, how do they become the best hiring manager that they can be? And all of those things really came together. And that's the genesis of Spectacle Talent Partners. Spectacle implies something that's intentional. It's something that makes people stop and look like a fireworks display, Mm. right? Spectacle is something that sticks with you. And so I appreciate that recruiting isn't something a small business does all the time. Or if you're a woman in technology, you're not hiring every day. Heck, you got a job to do. You can't be recruiting all the time. But when you do, it should be meaningful. And there's ways that we can do that um, to help people really be, be able to do it with intention and a beauty that I think gets lost many times in the world of, of recruiting. Oh, thanks for, for sharing that. I get, my goal for having you on this podcast is to talk about what we need as individuals to be doing differently or better or um, in order to have an easier process, go through the process of being acquired, the other side of acquisition, right? Uh, that recruitment process, much easier, right? However, a lot of the people that listen to the show are hiring managers, quite senior, some of them. I also know there's a lot of them that work in startups where... They are reaching that point where, as you say, they need to mature their talent acquisition process. So actually, before we dig into why I want you on the show, I want to just go into that a little bit here. Sure. I, I, I know that there are a few of the listeners who are, you know, head of people, but the majority of the listeners are hiring managers in, the, in a technical field. There's actually often hard to fill positions, as you said, like, and there is a real skill and a lot of them 
a lot of my one-on-one clients I know are fighting the system a little bit. Like, oh my gosh, it's moving so slowly. And right now, you know, there's a lot of churn in the market. People are good talent is being picked up very, very quickly. What are some simple steps that some of these exceptional leaders, but also hiring managers, could be taking in order to make that process a little bit smoother? Just some quick wins. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say there's a couple of things we have to appreciate about the market, right? Candidate behavior very much mirrors consumer behavior. More and more and more, right? We want it easy. We want it fast. <laughs> so one of the things I helped businesses do when it came to maturing that function was remove barriers to getting people through the process. And there's a lot of things I could say on the recruiting side and how do we streamline that. But the couple things that I want to share for those hiring managers um, who are listening to the podcast. The first one is top performers know they're top performers, right? So think about it in your own career if you're listening. You were promoted. You received maybe spot bonuses for jobs well done. Or you just got more work to do because your boss said, I know you'll do this, right? That's a classic. We we don't necessarily get the financial bonus as women, but we do get that. Oh, here's more work because I know you'll deliver. Yes. 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 I call it the negative reward system. But (laughs) there is some, there is value to that even, even so. So, so the one thing we need to be clear about is top performers know they're top performers. So the biggest barriers to bringing those top performers into a business is lack. And, and I'm going to, regardless of the size of your company, regardless of the technology at your disposal, regardless of your brand recognition, regardless of the talent of the recruiting team, speed and momentum is the secret to hiring top performers. So speed is simply make a decision quickly. Momentum, come on, physics. We know <laughs> momentum, right? Objects in motion are more likely to stay in motion. So what does that look like? Well, depending on your particular recruiting process in your business, how can you inject speed into that process? Maybe if you have a trusted relationship, if your recruiter has really become a trusted advisor for you, Maybe you just give them blocks of time and say, put people on my calendar. Let me talk to people. Let me get those phone screens moving. Let's make some decisions. Maybe speed is 15-minute meetings with your recruiter in the first two weeks. Because many times when hiring managers get a position approved, it's weeks, sometimes months after we think they should have been approved or maybe we needed them. And so we're behind the eight ball. Now our teams are a bit overworked and overwhelmed. The project that we already had on our plate, now we just got a new one. There's all of these things sort of challenging us that maybe it's going to be too hard to inject speed. But once we decide as a leader who can control the speed that we move, making those choices of whatever that looks like, configure that for your business is one of the biggest game changers then naturally follows you keep that momentum in motion because if you go to that recruiter and say hey my position got approved chances are that recruiter got several other positions approved right because that's the way it goes <laughs> right they didn't just approve one. Oh, i have eight now and now they're all kicking off and now i have all of these things so the recruiter here's another little tidbit that recruiter wants to fill that position more than you do Yes. Because that is their definition of success. 
So too many recruiters, if they give a resume slate of candidates or or however that process works, they're not getting feedback or the feedback isn't very job specific or they're not even getting time on your calendar. They're very demotivated to make your position a priority. So create those relationships with the recruiter in order to keep that momentum going so that you can take advantage of those two things, which is speed and momentum. Injecting those into the recruiting process will, will beat, <laughs> will beat the majority of the businesses out there today who are struggling. And we can talk a little bit about recruiters and all of those things, but thinking on if I was a hiring manager, what could I do today to get a better outcome? It would be that. That is such good advice um, because I've seen so many times, uh, you know, frustration with a client who they're, they're seriously frustrated. They've got a recruiter. They finally got permission to fill a spot and the recruiter doesn't move fast enough. And I'm like, own it. How can you make this go faster? And then, and then they'll tell me they have all these excuses as to, you know, they don't have enough time to do this. And I'm like, I, my favorite question for people is what is the one thing you can do today to make everything else easier? And a lot of the time in this situation, it's filling that spot. Okay, that becomes your number one priority now. How can you help this recruiter do their job? The recruiter's overworked, especially right now. Recruiters are hugely overworked, right? Yes. If you can be the hiring manager who actually makes that recruiter's job easy because you are giving them feedback, you are giving them time on your calendar, you are working with them, it it can really unlock that impasse. And We all know from the other side of the fence, it is so frustrating when we talk to a recruiter and we're told we're here back in like two days and it's a week or 10 days. And we're like, well, do I follow up? Is that too pushy? You know, if the other side, we want to hear quickly and good companies have realized this and are having huge momentum around their recruitment process. So if you're a hiring manager and you want that top talent, you need to make sure that your recruiter moves quickly because otherwise that top talent is going to go. They get snapped up so quickly. And so I just, I love these tips for that. Angie, one more thing I want to dig into before we get into like, what can we do uh, from the other side of the fence? You mentioned, uh, you mentioned this, this thing, you realized you didn't want to continue doing what you're doing. I've written down the phrase, all the stuff I've ever done, I would be doing that again. (laughs) And I just thought that's such a good thing to bring up very briefly for the listeners, because I was actually having a conversation about this, like literally an hour ago with someone who she's, she's feeling stuck in her career. And she's like, I just feel like the next step, I'm just going to be doing the same thing again. And this burnout that comes from that, from where's my forward momentum and moving jobs is no longer giving me the forward momentum and sometimes we have to step out of our comfort zone for you as being an entrepreneur which definitely out of comfort zones for many of us it was for me (laughs) um but yeah just recognizing that we do need forward momentum and I just wanted to push that back to the audience if that phrase resonated with you you need to be listening to this episode for other reasons because it might be time to get that forward momentum from somewhere else yeah, I, this is such a powerful point. So, and and it, and I love how you position what's the one thing you can do. Here's a question, and I led big teams, right? And the question that puzzled my team more than any question that I ever asked them, because I was very, very 
intentional about training and developing my team was, what do you want to do? I cannot tell you how many times I asked that question and they were, they were unresponsive. They didn't know. Well, I kind of do this and I kind of do that and I kind of like this. And so many times our careers sort of follow this path of least resistance, right? So there's these elements of, hey, I'm pretty good at this. And oh, I was asked to do this and I didn't realize it, but I actually really enjoyed that. Those are indicators as we move through our careers. But at a certain point, when you get to the level where I suspect many of your listeners are, they have a level of scope of responsibility, mm. right? They have things that they've accomplished and acquired, and they have a way that they look at their definition of success. The question to ask themselves is this one very powerful question, which is, what do you desire? Oh, such a good question. And actually, I was going to ask you, the next question I was going to ask you is with the great resignation that's currently going on, like people want to realign and level up salaries. What do women in tech need to be doing to take advantage of this? I mean, is that the answer? Is it what do you desire or is there more to it than that? That's a huge question because if we look internal, so the great resignation is a real thing. That's a macro trend, right? Mm. Macro trends are really interesting because it kind of gives us a sense of the market. But what really matters for, especially if you're a leader in tech, is what are the micro trends? What's happening in your business? What's happening in your team? What's happening in your department? And going even deeper than that, which is what this question gets at, which is what do I desire? I don't like the word want. Want is a double-edged sword, right? I want X. I, I want a million dollars. <laughs> I want whatever. You know, there's there's a negativity attached to that. I love it when women in tech can say, what do I desire? This is where we get to use our big heart and our analytical brain. Because I know for me, I vast majority of the leaders that I worked with and the bosses that I had, I had some horrific bosses, had some great bosses, had some horrific bosses. That's not an uncommon story. But through all of those things, I thought my big heart was a liability. And only when I changed the question I was asking myself, did I realize my big heart was one of my biggest assets because I had fantastic relationships with my team, with my HR business partners, with my clients, you know, with candidates. So there's just so much that happens when we ask ourselves, what do we desire? It unlocks opportunity. It unlocks a conversation because many times the answer before we ever find it or see it within whatever macro trend is out there, it's internal. It's internal first. Oh, I, I love all of that. And I, I, I love also your little, your little personal insight there about um, your heart, thinking that your heart was a liability. Actually, again, the lady I was speaking to just an hour ago, she was, she's been told she's too nice and it, it, it really got to her. And I was like, there is nothing wrong with being nice. In fact, part of the diversity dividend that we bring as women to a male-dominated field is our differences. If you are being told that you're too nice, you're basically being told in, in the tech industry anyway to be more masculine. And that takes away 
the difference that is part of your power and part of the dividend that you bring to the industry. What you need to be doing is making sure that your niceness isn't people pleasing. And, yes. Uh, and so, I mean, I talk about lovingly calling my clients out on their own BS, right? Mm-hmm. I do it with kindness, but I don't hold back in the sense of they need to hear the hard truth, but I'm still kind with it because that's who I am. I can't not be that person. That is why, that's why so many of my clients continue working with me like over and over again because that's what they need. And I think we need to all embrace that. If some part of you is listening to this conversation and is like, oh yes, my heart's a liability. I'm too nice, whatever it is. That is not a bad thing. Hear that you've got two women here doing extraordinary things. And that is not a liability. You must hear that if you hear nothing else from this conversation. (laughs) Can you tell I feel very strongly about that? (laughs) Yes. No, it's your biggest differentiator. And, Mm. and, and, it's okay. So, so the opportunity for women in technology, because you're in a leadership position, you can create a culture within your team that resonates with you. You can worry less about everybody else's team. Sometimes we look at all of that mm-hmm. and we think, you know, maybe they're getting the kudos and they kind of have that little bro code going on and all of those things. We could, those are all excuses. Let's be honest. Those are excuses because if you're a woman and if you're a woman in leadership, you absolutely have influence and influence. True influence has nothing to do with your title. It has to do with your impact. And so we can do that every day, every moment of every conversation. We get to choose how we show up. We get to choose what we say is important to us. And when it comes to talent and when it comes to all those things, I do not believe there is a war on talent. I don't buy into that mindset. I don't buy into the mindset that people leave for the next biggest buck. I don't believe that either. There's so many things that we've been conditioned to think about people and other people that actually have a very negative impact on our ability to recruit with speed and momentum. But That'd be a whole much, that'd be a whole lot longer conversation. <laughs> but just to get people to understand that they get to choose that. When you ask that question, what do I desire? If the answer is, I want to, I want to have the best team ever. What does that look like? Let's start that. Let's take a look at that. When I sat down with each and every one of my team members and said, what do you want to do? Guess what some of them said? I don't want to be a recruiter. I said, fantastic. What would you like to do? Where can I help you go in this organization that matters to you? I had a gentleman who was a recruiting coordinator, which is a heavily administrative position. I called them, they're the glue, right? They're the glue of the (laughs) position. And he wasn't very good at it. He was not good at it. And I sat him down on multiple occasions. I said, what do you want to do? He wants to write. Awesome. Write my ads for me. Write this, write that, write that. Guess what he does today? He's a copywriter. Oh, wow. (laughs) <laughs> wow. I could do with his talents. <laughs> Copywriting is not one of my skill sets. Mine neither. But, but you see what that conversation yeah. unlocked. He stopped hiding. And I said, these are the things I need you to do. Here's what success looks like while you're here. Can you do that? Yes, Sue, I can do that. Awesome. In the meantime, I'm going to carve out time for you to be able to do these other things because I don't need you to tell me you're going to be here for 10 years. I'm not looking for you to tell me that. So once they trusted me, 
that I wasn't looking for some rote answer. It was, it was phenomenal. We, I, it was so great. Oh, I, d- I, again, I just love everything you say. And you actually almost brought tears to my eyes because one of the reasons I do what I do, which I, I guess most listeners who've been around it long enough know this about me. I do what I do because I am convinced that we can change the tech industry by getting yes. women into leadership roles and then giving them tools to change it, to remove this bro culture, to change away from the toxicity, to lead with empathy and, and honestly make the world a better place as a result. Why I do what I do is to give women the back, the power to be there and then the tools once they're there to do that. And so listening to you talk about like owning that, owning what you can currently do in your current role. If you're a leader, own it, do something about it, make it what you want it to be. Don't apologize, change it. That's how we're going to change the world. One woman at a time going, no, no, I'm not here for this. I'm here for that. That's what I desire. I love Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I'm just so passionate about that. But I do want to dig in. I I feel like we can talk about all day about all this. I know, I know. I I do want to dig into some of the things that the audience can do for their own careers. So what are some of the biggest and most common mistakes you saw candidates making in all your years of talent acquisition? Make your search specific. Ask yourself, what do I desire? And lean into that. Listen to that. However you do that, talk to people, journal, whatever those mechanisms are for you in your life. And then be very specific if you decide where I'm at today does not fulfill what I desire. Be very specific in your search. And the other tidbit I would say is the value of networking. Networking isn't reaching out to somebody on LinkedIn and saying, hey, can you help me get this and can you get that? Networking is building a relationship with somebody that you didn't otherwise have a, a relationship with. This doesn't mean you have to go out and, you know, talk to them every week, but it does mean it's a long-term game, mm. right? It's a long-term play in that way because undervaluing networking cuts off our ability to multiply our efforts in a very specific way. So I'm not saying networking with everybody. So if you get your specific search down, who are the five people that you should be networking with? There's got to be five. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Start with five. See if they're willing to talk with you. See if they're willing to explain how they got to where they was or, or maybe just get to know you or solve a problem that you're facing. Most people, but majority of people are willing to have that conversation. And that's where opportunities come out of. Oh, I just love that you said that actually, because I mean, I talk to my audience a lot about the power of networking and actually the point when you need your network, it's too late, right? Okay. It's never too late to start. Like, don't, don't hear that and go, oh my gosh, I can't possibly get a job because I haven't networked, but we all need to be networking all the time. You and I, we met through a networking community and such a great connection. And if you're listening to this, networking isn't just for entrepreneurs, like, I got my C-suite role off the back of networking. It was not advertised. I've said this so many times on the podcast. The majority of jobs are not openly advertised, right? You need your community, your network, your people to be thinking about you when something amazing opens up. You need to be regularly cultivating those relationships, giving back to them. I suggest, this is this is shocking for many people when they first hear it, but as a leader, you need to be spending the on average 10 minutes a day networking outside your company. 
10 minutes. So maybe you do it in one blast once a week. I don't care, but 10 minutes a day on average. That needs to skyrocket if you are going for a new job, even if it's an internal promotion, by the way. (laughs) But on average, between job hunts, 10 minutes a day. If you're not doing that, my love, you're not doing enough. (laughs) Sorry, just had to get that one in there. Um, Is there anything else you think that we need to be shifting gears on, like maybe realign our priorities? Well, and I think that that's one of the things that we think is going to happen to us, right? We're waiting to see what happens to us. But when we understand and we have a very clear picture of what that thing is that we desire, and we make some specific targets and start that networking process, internal or external, like you said, I think that unlocks doors we wouldn't even have realized that could be opened for us. Mm. Um, yeah. So I think, I think if people can do that consistently, it's really hard. It's really hard. And, and I, and I empathize because I know that we can spend 10 hours a day working mm-hmm. and still work more. And we don't do necessarily a good job of prioritizing our own things that we desire. Yeah. But that is if, if people can do that, what, however they, mm, however they, that translates for them, that's one of the most powerful things that they can do. And I think you hit the nail on the head there with, we need to prioritize our own careers. At the end of the day, you're not here just for your employer. You're here for you, right? And that means that however much nagging you're going to get from, can you do this? Can you do that? There's never going to be enough hours in the day. We all know that. So you need to figure out what it's going to take for your career progression and make sure that you never sacrifice those hours ever. Um, You could make a temporary uh, negotiation over it. I suppose like, okay, I need to get this out the door this week. I'll double down on my stuff next week. But all too often we, oh, I need to get this out the door. I'll, you know, I won't bother doing my stuff. And then a month later, you realize you haven't done anything for you in your career in a month. That's not open to negotiation. Pick yourself first. Right. Which brings us to the leadership mindset moment. At the end of every episode, I love to give listeners a simple mindset tip to help them adjust how they act or think on the topic of the podcast. And so I'd love it if you could offer one highly actual mindset shift to help the listeners land their next dream role. Landing your next dream role. I, I think we actually did. I think we actually <laughs> talked about it at the top of the hour or top of the conversation is, is asking yourself, what do I desire? And, and here's the other thing I'll add to that. What do I desire to feel fulfilled? So good. Because success, I was a multi-six-figure earner. I had lots of successful things happening. People would cut. I was a talent acquisition person. I was asked to lead multiple things outside of talent acquisition because I got stuff done. So I, I had this whole definition in my head of what that looked like. But when I asked myself what I desire in order to be fulfilled, so much of that stuff just went away. And um, I think that that's the mindset shift of allowing yourself the space and the freedom to have that conversation with yourself and see what happens. I went from multi-six figures to, to zero 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. When you start a business, you know, when you start a business, you're like, okay. So, you know, all of those things happen. It was scary. It was hard. It meant I had to do things that I never really thought I would ever be doing. But I haven't, I, I have to say, I have, I have enjoyed the journey so immensely and have been very intentional about, you know, what this looks like today versus what I thought it needed to be based on other people's definition of who I was. Wow. Yeah. I, I love that little nugget, that fulfillment piece. I think for many of us who have taken that leap into entrepreneurialism, part of that leap for us has been, I need to feel fulfilled because <laughs> as you, as you kind of hit the nail on the head, you don't generally become an entrepreneur to make money overnight. It doesn't happen. Um, there are a few people and I think some people that think that it's going to happen and then it doesn't and yeah, it's painful. But yeah, I think all of us, whatever field you're in actually can make more of ourselves by realizing what is what is going to help me wake up tomorrow and the next day and the day after and feel fulfilled and be excited to get out of bed on a Monday morning. That's what mm -hmm. I want for every single one of us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I have to tell you, I love Mondays. Me too. Right? <laughs> I, love, I love Mondays. You know, once in a while, my husband will say, oh, hon, we're going to do blah, 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 and whatever, you know, something happened. I'm like, well, let me ask my boss. She can be kind of hard. <laughs> I mean, I just, because I still, I'm still ambitious. Mm. I'm still who I am. I still have goals and I still operate at a very high level. It just, I, it's just uh, comes out in, in a little different way. Um, yeah. It, it's a fantastic journey for those who, who uh, want to take that step. And even if you don't just asking that question, if you just, whether you're at a startup or a big corporation will change the way you show up every day and you and you too can love Mondays yeah absolutely I think we all can love Mondays um this has been amazing Sue so where can people find out more about you connect with you and maybe get your services yes I would lo I love working with leaders who need to hire make a great hire without worrying about making a mistake or spend a lot of time talking to the wrong people so um, I primarily work with service-based uh, entrepreneurs, but I also work with some very special mission-focused organizations um, because that's just when a company is on a mission and I can help them find the right people for that, that's just something that I've always done and, and love to continue to do. So finding me would be SpectacleTalentPartners.com. Uh, on my little website, you will see my phone number. That is my phone number. I make it very easy to find me. You're busy. Nobody has to jump through hoops. It's it's one of my missions in life to make it easy. Um, my email address is there as well. On LinkedIn, I'm Susan, G-Y-G-A-X. I'm easy to find there too. Uh, yeah, I would love to have a conversation um, if folks find that they think you know, recruiting is, is something that they could figure out how to do a bit better. Fabulous. Thank you so much for that. And have you any final thoughts you'd like to share with the audience today? Oh, final thoughts, final thoughts. Um, I would say women in tech are the movement makers. I'm like, I'm like silently applauding here. <laughs> I'm like, 
Yes, we 100% are. Ladies, did you hear that? Can you like write that down and put it above your computer screen? You are a movement maker. Yes. I love it. I love it. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on the show today. Uh, We went down some rabbit holes around things I didn't even (laughs) expect to go down, but I've had so much fun. I've learned stuff. As always, that's the best kind of interview episode, in my opinion, when I learn as well. So thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom. My my pleasure. Truly, truly. Thank you so much, Tony, just for the opportunity. I'm honored to have the chance to, to talk to your audience because I, I recognize how important they are. So um, we value their time. So thank you so much. If you would like to get in touch with the amazing Sue, make sure you check out spectacletalentpartners.com and you can also find her as Susan Gygax on LinkedIn. I will put all of those links in the show notes for you, but make sure you check her out, especially if you're looking for somebody to help you with the hiring side of stuff, even though today we've been talking about us and our careers. Um, one last reminder before we wrap up today, make sure you're on my email list. Go to tonycollis.com forward slash resources to get on my mailing list. So you are the first to know when my Black Friday sale goes live in just a few days. Until next time, remember, stay on your tech leadership game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.